This episode is brought to you by PitchDMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Kings of Europe podcast, episode eight. And this one is basically only a one-topic show. We're going to be reviewing anything and everything 2018 Champions League final between Liverpool FC and Real Madrid. Uh, coming to you from a little bit of a somber spot tonight. Um, you know, the game itself, I think we'll have... Uh, Many, many questions uh, for the rest of time. Uh, 50 years from now, I think we'll be talking about a lot of the what-ifs in this match, a lot of the uh, what-could-have-beens, and a lot of the situations that occurred and, and injuries that happened and whatnot. Uh, particularly, I'm talking about, obviously, Mohamed Salah and Carvajal. Uh, I, I'm so sorry I, for, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm your host, Curtis Smith. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Curtis Smith. I'm always... Um, Always uh, giving you guys good stuff about Kings of Europe podcasts. Uh, of course, we uh, are a weekly show. Tonight is a special exception to that, though, due to the circumstances of the Champions League final falling on a Saturday. Joining me tonight are uh, two fellow Liverpoolians. I have uh, Mr. Alex Miller. That's at ChickenLips7 on Twitter. Alex, how you doing tonight? Uh, not too bad. How you doing? Just around my uh, buddy Russell's house, uh, drinking a martini, drowning our sorrows. Uh, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> you can't you can't beat martinis. Oh, I forgot to give a shout out to Cigar City in Tampa, Florida. I'm drinking uh, the Toba Toba Gaba something red IPA. Fantastic. I gotta say, uh, Cigar City. If you're from Florida, uh, one of the finest breweries in that state, along with Funky Buddha, um, 
Both of those in my fridge right now, Funky Buddha and Cigar City. So much, much love to them because they just make good stuff. Everything out of Florida is not good, but those two things are very good. Uh, uh, also joining me is the very pissed off, very angry, very upset and frustrated Stanino, Oliviero, De Coutinho, De Waitaldum, De uh, Firmino, De Mane. Stan, how you doing tonight? Yo, fuck Sergio Ramos. Hi guys. <laughs> Hi world. And we are Gosh. and we are Oh my bad. My bad critic shout out to Cigar City because they make a, a brew called uh Jai Alai. It's an IPA. Yes, very yes. Get, get your hands on that one. That one's a very good IPA. Very good session IPA, guys. And this is not a beer podcast, but it could be. And we could also be whiskey. And for my man Alex and Russ, hey, gin is my thing, man. When you got gin, you got nothing but good stuff going for you. And so, especially with martinis. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the gin game in America is pretty poor, man. So we're uh, trying to step it up, stepping it up now. Absolutely, We've got five, five favorites. Uh, absolutely, I, we talked about this. Uh, we're just, and for those of you at home, we're we're all kind of depressed right now. So we're 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 just kind of rambling here about beer, and we're trying not, we're trying to avoid the obvious. But um, we are going to get into it here. Uh, we're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, 2018 UEFA Champions League final. Uh, so this is how this thing goes. Uh, three years ago, uh, Real Madrid embarked on a, on, a, on a journey that now has come to its conclusion and has seen them become the first club since uh, the great Bayern Munich teams of the 1970s with uh, Gerd Müller to win three consecutive European Cups. They have done so in pretty convincing fashion. They... Uh, beat Atletico Madrid. Um, not a not a big scoreline two years ago, but uh, nonetheless, they they controlled the match uh, last year. Of course, Juventus four one absolutely dominated uh, Allegri side. The one goal from Mandzukic obviously was the goal of the season, uh, but it only counts for one goal. When Real Madrid puts four past you, you're going to lose. And then of course this season, uh, beating Liverpool FC three one. And a lot of questions around that 3-1. A lot of questions around that 3-1 that we're going to try to answer here tonight for you. So we're going to jump right in and talk about, the first of all, the tactics of the match. And uh, guys, from my perspective, I thought that uh, Liverpool, for the first... Let's talk about the first 15 minutes here. We're going to break this thing up kind of in segments. So we're going to talk about the first quarter of the match. Or excuse me, the first, I guess, 15 minutes, one-sixth of the match. So... Jurgen Klopp came out and all guns are blazing, and I thought that's what he had to do. I thought he had to come out and attack, attack, attack. Uh, the best offense, uh, the best defense is a great offense. You had Salah, you had Firmino, you had Mane, all of them in sync, putting Keylor Navas on his ass, uh, challenging the keeper time and time again. And I thought Liverpool had clear control of the match in the first 15 minutes. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how the match started in uh, Klopp's strategy? to get that first goal quickly. Well, Critty, I, I thought that that's a great insight into uh, Klopp's tactics. I think he started out the match as he should have. Uh, we spoke about this uh, at length uh, prior to kickoff about uh, how he needed to be, how he needed to instill aggressiveness within that uh, starting 11. Um, and I believe that you saw that. You saw the high press. You saw the 4-3-3. You saw the ginger pressing. You saw a team that wanted to get out in front early on, uh, plenty of opportunities, uh, enough uh, within the first 15 to 20 minutes that you thought, hey, maybe they can sneak one by uh, world-class keeper Taylor Navas. 
who was forced into making several uh, decent saves, especially the one on uh, Alexander Arnold where, where Trent kind of snuck through and got pretty much within the final 18, uh, got his shot through uh, several defenders. Navas didn't see it, got down at the last second. Uh, Perry then held on to it, preventing a rebound. Uh, you saw a few other uh, instances where some through balls were played by the front three. Uh, one opportunity with um, Firmino actually, instead of passing it off to Salah, he actually took the shot himself. Uh, just you saw you saw those runs. You spoke of like you know making starting runs in behind. The gaps were available. Um, very aggressive. That's the way even from front to back, especially the midfield engine was uh, was cranking it out. I thought Genie Wijnaldum was was perfect in that role that he that he uh, had to uh, enforce in replacement of uh, Oxley Chamberlain and being the just the, the the gap filler. And as far as being the kind of the fulcrum between the front three and the midfield, uh, uh, getting to any loose balls, converting or to changing over the uh, possession and then leading a quick breakout counter. Um, you saw, uh, so you, you saw these things happening, but they just did not lead to any sincere chance on goal. Mm-hmm. Alex, what were your thoughts on the first 15 minutes? Did you think that Klopp came out and he, did you, do you think he tried to take control of the match early? And, and as we discussed uh, last week on the pod, get that first goal. It's so important for Liverpool to score, to draw first blood. And do you think he went about that the right way in the first uh, portion of the match? Um, yes, I think he did. I think he had um, <clears throat> he had a similar approach to the Romo game where they were trying to feel him out in the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, they had a few chances to, to score as well uh, before the Salah injury. Um, but stepping back a minute. Um, so we got there to the pub about 10, 10.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, and I, yeah. and I, and I can't remember a time where I didn't have a beer in my hand. Um, so, but the adrenaline kept me uh, kept me straight and narrow. Um, but to what? Well, the, once kickoff started, we they they knew our tactics. It's predictable. Anybody can t- have a you know decent analysis on our tactics and how we play. And um, it's just we rely on. Um, surprising them with our dynamism and speed. But, I mean, I think that was the game changer, uh, the 21st minute. And Ramos is officially the dirtiest player in the Champions League, 37 cards. I think the second one was uh, Skulls and 35. Um, well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But right now, we're just talking about the first 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to get it. Yeah. We, were, we were promising, you know. I yeah. thought we were going to score. We were, we were definitely on top. Um, obviously, the stats at the end was 61% possession to Real Madrid, and they showed that they won the sort of possession stats. But we were on top, man. And I was very confident going into the second half of the first half. That was nice. But... Um, if, if Russell, do you want to talk? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would argue that I think Klopp's tactics reflected the skinniness in the bench, which I know you're going to talk mm-hmm. about later, and that I think he was hoping that Zidane was going to like outthink himself. He was going to try to interpret a certain aggressiveness to Liverpool and try to like shuffle his lineup, shuffle his approach a little bit to try to counter it, and they were just going to keep pressing in whatever way they could to try to force Madrid into like doing something ridiculous in their lineup or change their tactics and give up an easy shot. 
And I think that's really what the first 20 minutes was about. Just like a blitzkrieg approach, take it by the horns, get after them, and force them to like give it up. Mm -hmm. And as Alex says, I think once you get to minute 21, the dynamic changes substantially. I, I agree. Uh, and, and for those of you who are wondering who that was, that is, that's Alex's friend, Russell. Uh, we forgot to introduce you, Russ. I'm so sorry. That's right. Um, uh, so we'll, 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 yeah, he's going to be a contributor on this show. So we're, it is a three man booth tonight. Um, well, I guess it's four if you include me. Um, yep. I'm just the, 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 the little itty bitty critty. So, um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to Zidane's tactics. Uh, so, to me, as I looked at this uh, first 15 to 20 minutes unfold, Zidane uh, uh, looked to me like he was the casual observer. I think he was he was looking to see, okay, well, how is how is Jurgen going to play this? You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm waiting for this. And I think that uh, he realized after about the 15th to 20th minute that he had to do something. Um, uh, let me say, I don't want to say desperate, but, but uh, he had to change some things. Because I, if, you look at the, if you look at the first 15 to 20 minutes, there was an assault on Real Madrid's goal from the Reds that was quite brutal. Uh, it, 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 Navas had to make a couple of good saves. The, your Liverpool on the, in the attacking, in the, from the attacking aspect were the aggressors and they were far more, uh, uh, they were far more dangerous as far as scoring went in the first 15 minutes. Now, where we're going to get to with Zidane, Stan, is that, is that how, is, what is your interpretation of how he was, what, what he was doing the first quarter hour or so? Absorb. Um, and he actually does this more often than not. What Zidane will implore his team to do is absorb whatever opening pressure that they uh, encounter, which they did quite well. Uh, specifically relating to the back line, uh, he, it was almost like there was an impetus to have all four defenders close down the middle of the park once the front, front three advanced to the final third. So specifically what I mean is block shots. Uh, you saw uh, many of those chances in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Most of those were blocked uh, because of just uh, essentially Hall and Marcelo dropping back to form a solid foot four in front of Navis and not allow any shots getting through from that front three. Because if you, if you notice that actually Genie played a little bit behind Firmino and he actually again, acted as that fulcrum. So there was basically no space between the front three of LFC and the back four of RMA. And what uh, what the Los Blancos were able to do was, like I said, just form that wall, and that actually prevented any solid chances getting through to Navas. So aside from a few shots, uh, one, uh, one or two that actually did threaten the goal, um, absorbed, he absorbed, he absorbed. And then, and then, and then, if I make it see. Uh, once we kind of like get out of that 21st minute and then uh, going a little bit past that the rest of the first half, we actually saw uh, Modric, Modric and, um, and the other midfielder, on, uh, who's the, who's the other, uh, Cruz. Uh, they actually shifted from the wings and actually played more of a dynamic two-center mid behind Isco. So what you had was basically a centralized attack. Stemming from Benzema, Isco, Cruz, and 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 oh god, now I forgot the other guy's name. 
um, Modric. Yeah, Modric. So you had those four basically, uh, uh, basically coming down upon, uh, coming down upon Lovren and DVD in the middle of the park, and that is really what the killer was. Well, let me say, uh, being being having grown up in Germany, and they are my national team. That is my that is that is the country that I support. Uh, Tony Kroos is a deceptively behind the scenes world class midfielder. He is absolutely fantastic, and and I want to say first and foremost that Bayern Munich were absolutely idiots to not pay him what he wanted. Uh, he he's he, I don't see how in 2018 we're still talking about this guy being underrated, but somehow we, I feel like he still is, and he's underappreciated. He is a cog in the wheel at Real Madrid that if he were missing, they would notice significantly. So I, I'm glad you brought Tony Kroos up because he is really one of the engines that makes that machine go. Um, Alex, are, do you concur with what Stan said in regards to the absorb portion, uh, or did you see something else from Zidane in that first quarter hour? Um, yeah, first 15, 20 minutes from Real Madrid. Um, you know, I said, mentioned about the first, first half of the Roma game. Um, he was definitely playing us out, feeling us out in the first, well, the players were in the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, they did absorb a lot of pressure. They dealt with that well. Um, but you know how how strong Liverpool's identity are as a, an attacking force? Difficult to summarise the identity of Real Madrid because they do a lot of things very well, different things, like defending. In midfield, they definitely tightened up as well in their in their sort of system. They weren't very wide, and a lot of people thought. Obviously, Marcelo was the you know still is the one of the most attacking left backs on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kept he kept himself together and like defended well. And as a as a back four um, with the support of Cruz and Modric, um, they they were very solid. You know, saying that we could have scored, um, we could have scored one, maybe two, um, but obviously that that was the first fifteen twenty minutes. Um, it, in in the stats, it says the goal attempts were equal to twelve each, which is quite surprising. Um, most of ours were probably in the first half. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The first half we were the. It just the, says a lot about yeah. you know we we pretty much dominated the first fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. They cooked it up, but they absorbed it well, and yeah, I, I agree. It was kind of a deceptive approach. Like we didn't really know how. I didn't know how they were going to sort of turn up in the first twenty minutes, and that was the most important time um, to sort of steady yourself and know how the game's going and how you're going to be reactive to any situation. And yeah, well, it's a it's a valid statement. I mean, you can ask yourself if you're Zidane at that point, are you playing a game of attrition because? The first 20 minutes, Salah is still in play. Like, you don't know that he's coming out of the match. So is this his long-term play, or is this really just 20 minutes where he's trying to feel out the side, and then he's going to decide how he's going to counter? Or is this really going to be for the entire match? Is that really what he was intending to do? I, I think, um, interesting point, because we finished, obviously, 0-0 at halftime. Um, and, and you could, I think it was pretty much 50-50. We all knew that the second half was going to be the most pressurized in terms of anyone's absolutely receptive to that but yeah i anyway we'll talk about stuff later yeah yeah so we're coming we're coming up on this because what we're talking about next had the biggest impact on the match in my opinion 
and it happened uh, shortly after the first 15 minutes. So uh, this guy named Mohamed Salah, uh, Egypt's uh, one superstar they have on their entire team for the World Cup, and obviously the MVP of Liverpool and the Premier League and possibly the Champions League, was, mm. was injured shortly after the first 15 minutes on a takedown by Sergio Ramos. So we will talk. Uh, first of all, Sergio Ramos has, uh, Alex, as you alluded to, uh, some record-setting yellow card numbers. Uh, he holds the most yellow cards in La Liga history, I believe, at uh, somewhere around 234. Uh, he is he is a dirty player, but what I, I I'd like to say what I'd like to say is, Stan, you and I spoke briefly after the match yesterday. If if you're Liverpool, would you like to have an enforcer like that, a guy who? basically goes out there and his job is to frustrate, take down, uh, uh, negate, and you, I don't know necessarily in his case, I, 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 I you kind of look at the injury or the, 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 the play that caused the injury to be more intentional than not. But, you know, as, as a, as a, as a, footballer with some class you don't intentionally hurt other players but you do want to frustrate them you do mm -hmm. want to to negate them you want them to basically be a non-factor and i told you yesterday i like this to dennis rodman of the chicago bulls and yeah. bill lane beer of the detroit pistons who basically had the jordan rules that they fouled the ever-living shit out of michael jordan in the paint yeah. and it would frustrate him it would it would it would cause him mental uh weakness uh, so I, I is the, the Sergio Ramos thing is just such a curious thing to me because if, if, if Van Dyke had done the same thing to Ronaldo, how would we be reacting today? Would we be on the other side looking in or would we be saying, I mean, I don't think Real Madrid is, 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 is I don't think their fans are pissed off at Ramos at all. I don't think they consider, I think they look at him as, yes, he's a dirty player. He's, but he's our enforcer. He's the guy that's supposed to take your Coutinho, your Lewandowski, your Marco Royce, your Eden Hazard, and put him on his ass. So I, I'm upset about the injury, and, I, and I'm upset at the fact that it looked like Ramos took great joy in the fact that uh, Salah was injured and, and sent off. But with saying that... Is this a case? I'm 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 just trying to play devil's advocate. I'm in no means condoning this. I'm not. I'm I I think Sergio Ramos, as I said when this thing started, he is a dirty player. He is a dirty player. I'm not I'm not running away from that. But if he play, if he was wearing a red shirt yesterday, would we be saying different things? Stan, start with you on that. Um. So <clears throat> I believe a uh, little feedback there. That's awesome. <laughs> I believe in fair play. Uh, I stand by that. I always have in any sport that I've ever played. I'm not against fouling someone, but I'm also uh, I'm injuring someone, whether it comes off as a mistake or whether it is intentional, what have you. Um, I believe in fair play. And that should be the first and foremost obligation for all 22 uh, footballers on the park. Um, if you remember back when uh, Liverpool visited Old Trafford back in March, 
and Ashley Young frustrated Mo Salah. He fouled him. Plenty of calls went, uh, uh, let's just say, by the wayside. They were not called. Plenty of fouls in the box, outside of the box, what have you. Somewhere about around five to seven instances uh, where Salah was fouled by Young and none of them were called. He frustrated him. He put Mo Salah in his pocket. That's fine. I, I can wake up the next day. I can go to bed that night and be totally okay. What the fuck we saw in the 21st minute of yesterday's European Champions League final is the most distasteful, disrespectful, hideous assault on a superstar player or anyone I've ever seen in my fucking 30 years of watching football. That is just fucking horrendous. Yes, I've been watching football since I was one. You I'll, receipts, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get them to you. I'll get them to you. I'll get the fucking receipts to you. That's horrendous. That is despicable. That is atrocious. No card. Nothing. No booking. No chat with the motherfucker. Not a goddamn thing. That is unacceptable. And I swear to God, you can at me at Real White Food FC. If you want to talk about it, at me. DM me, what have you. That is ugly. And I swear, if I receive Ramos in the streets, spitting right in his eye. Because that's the sort of treatment that you get when you intentionally pull on someone's arm as they're going to ground. We all saw the tape. He grabs his arm. He doesn't know that his arm is there initially, but once he sees that his arm is there as he's going down, he then leads his body into his shoulder and proceeds to separate Salah's shoulder. Uh, my question to you, and, and, and there's no... There's no <laughs> I don't want that in well, the red shirt, Critty. I don't want that in the red shirt. I don't want that. No, 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 if Virgil van Dyke had done that to CR7, what would you be saying today? That's how that's the that, same. The same. And you and I would think that you can believe me when I say okay. I would be saying the same thing. Okay. The same. All right. Whether we left the trophy or not, I would say the same thing. All right. Fair fair play. Fair play. Alex, uh, your thoughts on the Mosala injury uh, as you saw it. Um <clears throat> so yeah, like I said, his stats don't lie. He is the dirtiest player in the Champions League. Um, also, it's official that he's got the most punchable face in the Champions League. Easily. Easily. I hate it close. I wholeheartedly hate the whole part of his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Okay, right? A bit childish, don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's it's allowable. It's allowable. There's, there's actually a petition. And there's over 260,000 that have signed it. So UEFA and FIFA should punish him retrospectively. The picture that's on that, I've actually just shared it on my Twitter, at ChickenLip7. Let me go see this real quick. It, 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 the picture of it, right? It's it's, it's almost UFC. like a it's almost like a fucking karate move. Dude, it's like a UFC armbar is what that is. Like he's trying to fucking put him in a submission hold. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's what it looks like, to be honest. Taking a step back... Um, coming at it from a neutral angle mm-hmm. and I think Liverpool supporters are some of the most honest on the planet being honest about it if if BBD did it to Ronaldo I would admit the first one to admit that 
um, it was a it was a bad move. It would have been a bad move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was wrong, and he should have got booked for it. I, I'm honestly telling you that now, but I wouldn't really care. I would, I would have got over it in like three minutes. But I would have definitely sided with Real Madrid fans if that happened to Ronaldo. Actually, he did that on purpose. I wouldn't be surprised if he was retrospectively punished yeah, yeah. for that. Um, and the, the, the fact that it was on no Salah. Do you know what I thought recently, like today? Was that a tactic from it? Was it, Did he want to get close to Salah? You know, every, every opportunity he had, did he want to actually want to get close to Salah and try something like that? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Even if he didn't talk about it in his own head, I don't know. Maybe that's a wild claim, but it changed the game completely. I, I don't, I don't think that that's a wild claim at all. See the fact that the now the let sorry in the next fifteen twenty minutes, actually the next five minutes, you could see the confidence. Yeah, yep. On the Madrid fans and in their yep. play, some of their play was. They were almost like a training pitch. These one-touch triangle mm-hmm. plays. Uh, they didn't have that when Marcelo was on the field. They didn't know how to respond when he went off. They're so used yeah. to him playing when it's if it's Premier League, if it's uh, you know Champions League. They're so used to that four-three-three with him and Mane and Firmino out front. They don't know how to play effectively when especially Salah. Now, Mane could be, you know, missing a match or whatever, what have you. But Firmino and Salah are incredibly important to anything that Liverpool does in attack. And when Lalana came on, it was like replacing a diamond with a ruby. It, it, it's, 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 yeah. it, it's, it's, it's such a downgrade. And that's all due respect to Adam Lallana because, man, my man, at one time, you were truly an England international. You were a great player. But my friend, you're coming off of a season where you have been injured almost the entire nine months. Adam Lallana has been a a, 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 a fickle, uh, fragile player who was coming on for perhaps the best player in the world in 2017-18. So what did we let's move on to this then. Stan, was that the right substitution to make? Should should Klopp had brought on someone else besides Lalana? There was no better option available. Um as you said when we uh, uh earlier, uh when we were discussing this, there is no depth on this bench. Uh there were no viable replacements. Let me ask uh, this. Whoa, 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 let me back you up. Let me back you up. I, I, I'm going to say something here. You, you have in, in Salah, you have an offensive-minded player. You have a guy who's a winger who no one said in their right mind was going to score 15 goals in the Premier League this season. Look at what he did at Roma. He is not a 30-plus goal scorer this season, and he goes and does that because Mo Salah is outer-worldly. So you were... Let me just just bear with me. Do you in this particular case, do you put the trust as Jurgen Klopp has? And that's why I say this is Jurgen Klopp. He's a guy that believes in his guys. Is this a time when you put Dominic Solanke in because he is an actual goal scoring player? He's a striker, he's a threat. 
uh, as opposed to Lalana, who is coming off of injury after injury after injury. And 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 that's why I'm saying I understand that uh, Solanke has not had a ton of playing experience. But sometimes when you put those rookies in, sometimes when you put those guys in, this is their chance, man. This is the chance. Go when 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 Joachim Löw told Mario Götze in the World Cup, go show the world that you're better than Messi. He went yep. and scored. He went and scored the winning goal. He gave Germany their fourth star. Okay, in a, in a substitution role. In a substitution role. So my point is, Solanke to me is a more offensively minded goal scoring threat than Adam Lallana. I stick with the four three three. I don't. I don't change my tactics, and I say, hey, you know, go go do what Salah did. Go line up on that wing. You and Monty and Bobby, you got this. And put the trust in him. That, that's what I'm asking you, Stan. Is I, I think Lalana was the wrong player to put on in that in that position. I'll admit what I said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. There, um, you've actually seen Salaki line up in the four-three-three in the forward attack as the center forward with either Bobby or Salah. Or actually, it's been a straight straight swap. It's been Salaki for Firmino. Uh, what you would have to do in this instance is have Bobby. Maybe play a dual left wing slash CF role because Dominic is not used to playing on other side mm-hmm. of the center forward position. So what you would have to have happen is you have Solanke line up at, at CF, Bobby sw- slide over to the to the right or Mane and have them have the two uh, kind of uh, just swap sides or once in a while or every couple of minutes just to change the dynamic, change the perspective, change the plate of attack, and let Solanke chase goals and chase chase headers. Chase three balls and have him, uh, and maybe you know, maybe I think his confidence was actually just starting to peak, uh, just a, just a tad. He scored against Huddersfield uh, to get his uh, first Premier League goal, so I think his confidence is, has been at the best, at the highest point that it's been all year. It's been a very trying season for him, uh, for him uh, coming from Stamford Bridge. Uh, all, uh, with that being said, also I agree wholeheartedly with you when you say that you know for younger players. Sometimes it's the biggest stage where they can actually make a name for themselves. And we've been waiting for that for Solanke all season. He was not given said opportunity. <laughs> Alex, before... Anyone, uh, to, oh, sorry. No, sorry. So, 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 go, no, go ahead with your Lolana point. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Uh, I just wanted to say for Lolana to come in, and we spoke on this, he was basically forced to play a cam role, uh, basically playing the diamond number 10, uh, and uh, right behind, so we actually did switch to a four four two. I don't know what uh, Stu Holden or whomever that was on Fox saying that it wasn't. That it was just a four four three three star. It was not. No, 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 no. Shot. You and I, you and shot. I, you and, you and I talked about Fox Soccer. Fucking idiots. Yeah. Um, okay. Fox Soccer. Uh, uh, you yeah. and I, you and I talked about this. As soon as it happened, I told you that they're going to switch to a four four two when Lalana came on because he is not a winger. You're going to have to put Mane and Firmino out front. You're going to have to put four midfielders behind him, and you keep the front four, uh, the back four. Uh, Alex, I've been saying yeah. this for since January, and I, I spoke to you about this briefly today. I have said they needed to replace uh, Philip Coutinho in the winter transfer window. They did not. I have said since back in January on the Twitter on the Twitter timeline. You can go look this up. You can go look at, listen to episode before with uh, uh, the host of that show, Mr. Um, Mr. Joe. Uh, you can you we, we've talked about this. We did not replace uh, Coutinho and we did not build any depth in the front three when the winter transfer window came and passed. 
And I said, yes, as long as this front three stays healthy, well, I don't have any problem with that. They're the best front, they're the best front three in all of football. But if one of them goes down, they are a unit. If you have to choose between the three, you want it to be Mane because he's the most easily replaceable. But the two that are absolutely irreplaceable are Firmino and, of course, Salah. And this comes into play. You loan out Divock Origi to Wolfsburg. Fine. So, you know, Firmino doesn't really have a true backup. I guess it's Solanke if you want to say that. Uh, Firmino is not the one that got injured. It was, of course, Salah. So uh, we don't have anyone on the wing that can come in for, for either Mane or Salah in a true winger fashion that can back them up. You're talking about guys, true wingers, Woodburn, uh, you know, guys like that, they're not coming in for a Champions League final. Now, you, I, I said let the young guy have a chance, but a, a young guy with some experience, a Premier League experience like Solanke had. So uh, did Klopp massively, uh, did he make a massive blunder in the, in the winter transfer period, not getting at least one winger or one uh, substitution player that could come in and, and, and for at least half a season, and I'm not saying this had to be something long-term. It could have been a loan deal. But someone to come in and confidently be able to back up, such as when Carvajal went out, uh, uh, Real Madrid was able to put in Nacho, who is also a, a fantastic player. We didn't have that. We went from, as I said, a diamond to a ruby. They went from a diamond to a less clear diamond, okay, for those of you who know about your diamond clarity. Where did did Klopp make a mistake in in not getting better depth to uh, back up the the wingers? Um, okay, a few points to make then. Um, I agree, definitely. Sal and Firmino, like you said earlier, one maybe two get into the Real Madrid team, and then there's definitely those two. Mm-hmm. Um, our kind of philosophy at Liverpool is to buy. At the moment, is to buy wise. Um, so in January, I don't think there was many players available. Um, under you know, we would have got shafted. We would have probably overpaid for someone because why wouldn't you? With the continue <laughs> you know, money, continue money, money, continue money. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's 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 definitely um, easier thing to say than than do. Um, definitely in that January window that Coutinho went. No, I mean, none of us thought he would actually go at the beginning because why fucking would you? In his situation, because he was cup-tied. Um, <clears throat> but the substitution, it was the sensible choice, I guess. But I, I totally agree with you that if you, if you want to maintain that 4-3-3 system where we're so comfortable with... You, I think the only decision was to bring Solanke on. He's just come off um, the back of his first ever Liverpool goal. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. That burden alone has been removed. Mm-hmm. I think he was. I think he's flying now. I, I don't know. Anybody sees him in training? Maybe not. I don't know. But I think he's. I think he's going to be great next season for us. Um, but at that time, like. Your decision making, Klopp's decision making process. Why wouldn't he think that, like you said, he's 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 got no burdens on his shoulder now. I know he's coming into a big game, but I think he would be one of the most hungriest players on that pitch if he came on. Yeah, and of course he would make an impact. He would have to. Um, 
and being you know the, the versatility he has with his strength that would have caused issues for Ramos and Varane and maybe taking their attention away um Lallana didn't take their actually they gave them more freedom in their headspace if you know what I mean the the, the back two taking Salah off and putting Lallana on they were like jackpot rubbing their hands together they're not going to attack as much and that was it was clear in the second half of the first half <sighs> fucking just frustrating but we can we can look back on these things and you know debate to the day's end but I, I think it would have been I would have been just as happy if Solanke came on instead of Lalana, or even maybe fucking Mings carry us in goal that wouldn't have been a bad shout either yeah, yeah. Uh, well Russ do you have any opinion on this? no I'm pretty much in line with uh, Alex on this one I think he's got a better read on the depth and like the decision making that was available at the time to try to either like bolster your bench or like yeah. you know kind of look into the future a little bit. But like Coutinho, like when he went from in January, we didn't actually buy anyone that was even close to his standard. Yeah. Um, and that was a mistake looking back. I mean, it's so easy to look back well, when we've had. Thing is always easy. Yeah, when we've had the um, the fitness and the availability of the front three, we've actually haven't had to worry about that until looking back now. Really. So go on. Right. I mean, we could ask ourselves the SEO question, are these decisions bad only in hindsight or because he really should have predicted that like the Jupiter in the solar system here, Sala, could have been like a man down? You know, should he have been building redundancy more than like, say, some other approach that he was taking during the course of the season? And I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, as a coach, I think there's other pressures coming in there between finances, management and everything else like that. Availability, as you say, Alex, who's available at the time that you can actually afford to buy someone? It's an axial question. Uh, so to put this in perspective, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum that this whole tra- this whole Salah thing up in one sentence. I was at the pub yesterday, and my wife asked me. She said, I, "I told her I said, that's the one guy that you see coming off." She said, "Yes, I know it's Salah. You don't have to tell me." I said, "Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's Salah." Right, anyways, I just want to make sure she knew who the fuck it was. But anyways, uh, I said, "That's the one guy." The one guy we can't lose, and we just lost him. And she said, why? And I said, because we can't fucking replace him. That's why. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell, guys. Because when when someone goes off for Real Madrid, they bring on Gareth fucking Bale. And that's the difference between Real Madrid in 2018 and Liverpool right now in 2018. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, that's like a legit statement. I mean... It's not to say that Liverpool was like waiting for an accident to happen, but at a certain point in time in your season, you had to basically move forward under the idea that you're going to have a whole squad, that your guy's going to be there, and this is how you're going to roll forward, especially when you get to a Champions League final. You were not anticipating, like, what, three, four months ago that your lead guy, the guy who's scoring the most goals out there for you, is somehow going to go down the 20th minute. Like, it just it doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how do you replace something like that? How do you even, like, reconfigure a team for that sort of eventuality. And I don't know that there's really a good answer for that. No. Like you said, bringing on Gareth Bale. Um, we're okay. going to get, we're going to get to that. We're going to get, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we got something much bigger to talk about before we even get to Bale. So 
We are now at halftime, and Liverpool escapes the first half with an offsides goal from Real Madrid, I believe, in the 42nd or 43rd minute. Um, I have not rewatched the match. I don't have the heart to do so right now. It's still it's still too soon. So if I'm if but with my memory, I wasn't so many beers deep yet that I don't recall. I know it was either the 42nd or 43rd. Y'all don't crucify me over this. And they scored. It was 1-0 Real Madrid. And then they got called back because it was offside. And there was a huge sigh of relief from where I was sitting. And Liverpool manages to escape. And I said, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. Just just, just get whatever you can do. Three minutes of, of added time. Get to the halftime. Okay. 51st minute. Guys, 51st minute. And this is another, this is the same as big a topic as Sergio Ramos. We're talking about Liverpool keeper Loris Karius. Okay. 51st minute. This is a play that I see on YouTube videos for like third tier Mexican sides or like the sixth tier of German football where some like drunk goalie comes to work that day. He's like, I didn't really, I, I drank three beers before I got here. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm going to go like I am. And his distribution on this particular play was something that I, I can certainly say that uh, a, 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 a child playing backyard football or playing schoolyard football does not make. They, they don't make this kind of mistake. And it, it unfortunately comes at the worst time in the match with the highest stakes in all of the world. Uh, so... Stan, was was this the true turning point of the game? Liverpool had kept it scoreless to that point. But Karius, absolutely. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Merry Kwanzaa, whatever you want to call it. Whatever holiday where there's gifts exchanged. Uh, Karius put that thing in a box. He wrapped it. He had the full time to wrap it. He put a bow on it. And he actually put one of those little cards where it said, To Benzema from Karius. I mean... A absolute gift of a goal. And I ask you, Stan, is this where truly the match was lost? I would say two minutes earlier. At the 49th minute, uh, Ramos is charging down on the Liverpool goal. And if you see this tape, I actually retweeted it out today, and I didn't speak to you about it earlier because I wanted to save it for this exact uh, topic of discussion. You can actually see a close-up of Ramos thrusting his shoulder into Karius' face. Um, I'm of the belief that that man has huge arms, um, very powerful arms, as we discussed, as what we, uh, as we, we, dis- what we discussed, what he did to Mahalo Salah. I think Karius was still dazed. Uh, that is the only viable explanation. We know he's had problems with his distribution all season long. It's been something that he's worked on. Now, I'm not saying he's improved at all, but there's no way that just 90 seconds later that you're free and clear in the run of play. Is said mistake appropriate at any time whatsoever in a Champions League final? No. But when Ramos strikes, things, bad things happen. Ramos deliberately shouldered Karras in the head. I do believe Karras wasn't concussed, but he was definitely dazed. Is enough that he would make such a silly blunder. Can, uh, discuss. 
Alex, uh, your your thoughts on the Carrius uh, ball distribution to the Real Madrid uh, striker Benzema? Uh, was this the turning point of the match where Liverpool lost it, despite the fact that four minutes later Mane did score the the equalizer? But in that case, you say to yourself, you second guess yourself the whole time, saying, "Well, now it should be one nil Liverpool. Mane should Mane should have put Liverpool at one nil." The whole time you're thinking. That goal that was scored by Benzema should have never happened. So, in your opinion, more so than even the Salah injury, was the Karius blunder the turning of the tide? Um, so, I think, obviously, the outfield players have a lot of pressure on them. I think Karius had the most pressure on him. On himself um, in goal. I think it's getting a bit windy. We've just gone outside. Are you picking up feedback? One sec. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Right, we're going in. So, um, ha- what goes through your mind when you're, you're, you have the ball in your hands, you have complete control, and you just blunder like that? What? I mean, it's baffling. It's completely baffling. It's like you said, you just don't see that even in like a 10th division team in Uganda. <laughs> yeah, it's, Uganda is a good country to go with. <laughs> that, 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 completely, that completely changed the game. It was a balls up, I know. Okay, and we re- responded quite well, um, but that changed the whole dynamic, I think, of the game. We were chasing the game after that. I really want to feel, I really want to feel for him, like feel sorry for him and like forgive him and stuff. But that is unforgivable. That mistake, it really is. It's no disrespect to him, but yeah, you, is how are you gonna respond from that? Like in your mind as well. Um, he fucked up again. He was just checked out by that point. I think mm. it was. It was so dismantling to his psyche um i do feel sorry for him of course he didn't obviously mean to do it you know maybe ramos put a chip in him in half time and like controlled it i don't know <laughs> it's should be something no ramos elbow ramos shoulder didn't no one else see the tape in two minutes not two minutes earlier ramos violently shouldered caris in the forehead and shoved caris to the ground caris came up looking dazed spoke to the ref Asked for some sort of retribution, got nothing out of it. Uh, I, that's it's almost unforgivable. It really is. You cannot do that. In a well, well, yeah, let me let me say this real quick, Stan. Um, whew, uh, wow. Okay, so about your uh, yes, to answer your question, I did see two minutes earlier the uh, spot you're talking about with. Ramos basically doing a uh, Bill Goldberg spear uh, with his shoulder on uh, Loris Karius. However, that being said, did Karius not see the French international Karim Benzema standing two fucking feet away from him when he when he let that ball go? Exactly. I mean, like like it's, we're kind of lost for words now, mm. just thinking about it. <laughs> um, he. It's just completely unforgivable. You, you cannot do it. It just completely changed the game, and they and I think they won the game on that. 
before that happened, I said to I said to Russ and Caroline, I think this is this looks like a nil nil draw. I, I think it probably would have been. Well, it had a good chance to be, but he completely fucked us, man. Uh, so, 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 Stan, going May back. I, whoa, 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 yeah, please. just yeah, you can hold on one second. So, to to, for, to 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 piggyback off what Alex just said, you see players like Dortmund, former Dortmund player, now Arsenal player, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, doing this all the time. They press up with the keeper, never realistically thinking that they're going to get the fucking ball. This is, it's just something you do. It's, it's something that a striker does out of, uh, you know, go press the keeper, you know, make him, make him go along with it. Don't let him roll the ball out. Make him go, make him go along. Because if you, everyone knows that uh, if you have an aerial ball, it's a 50-50 ball in some circumstances. But Real Madrid in that case has as much chance to get possession back as Liverpool does if Karius goes wide with it. Well, the way to make him go wide is to have a number nine or number, uh, yeah, number nine go up right next to him. They did that. Never expecting in your wild, I mean, Benzema was more surprised. He was the most surprised person on the fucking planet. Shocked. I mean, um, period. Do you want to say? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody want to take off that? <laughs> Who was tell me who was more surprised than Benzema when that happened? I, I don't think even I was. I don't think you guys were. Benzema in his wildest dreams, if you'd have told him you're gonna score a goal like this in the Champions League final, he would say, You're a fucking idiot. That's never gonna happen. Exactly. You could put a million to one odds on that and no one would place a bet. Right. So Stan, I don't I, I, I see what you're saying, and we're not we we're all in agreement that Ramos is a son of a bitch. That's not the question. But I am not going to give Karius an out on that play because Ramos shoulder checked him uh, two plays before. I mean, that's or two minutes before. That's that's not going to fly with me. I'm not. I'm not going to excuse Phil on that one. So if, if you have, if you're, if you're a Real Madrid fan, you're in fucking ecstasy right there. It was just a gift, like you said. It was a gift. It was gift that. <clears throat> so, and and you could say that. You know, he, he made the best at that situation and, and fair play to him. You know, yeah, he that, capitalized, he converted. Exactly. Um, my last statement on this, and I won't I won't argue with you gentlemen. We do have other topics to go for. Um, Benzema was offside. He never reestablished position. When the football was played, he was actually ahead of uh Robert and DVD, and he never reset himself when Carius was about to play the ball back out into the field of play. Wow, I didn't even think. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Didn't even think about that. I have to watch it back now. Well, and, and, and what Stan is saying is what Jordan Henderson was actually arguing with the officials. So Stan has a great point there. However, this is Real Madrid. You know that the officials are going to be in their back pockets. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. So if you think you're going to get a call overturned or, 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 or looked at from Real Madrid, you're teasing yourself. I still maintain that Karius should have played it to anywhere else but where he played it. I mean, you have literally yeah, kick it the fuck, kick it out of bounds so you can force a corner. I mean, that, that that's ludicrous, but that's still smarter than what he actually did. And Stan, I'm not a hey, excellent point about about Benzema being offside. I mean, are we not to expect that offside should be called in 
in the biggest match of the European campaign? Are we not? Are we not to expect a certain uh, a certain threshold of officiating excellence? Are we are we not to expect that? I it's think a basic call to, it's a basic pretty. It's a basic call to make. He never reached this position. Yeah, distribution be damned. Yes, he fucked up. I get it. I get it. Blunder. Terrible. Bad mistake. Yes. He never reset his position after the three ball was played. He never even tried. He never bothered. You have one official behind the goal line. You have two linesmen, two linesmen, and a say a word. Never blew a whistle. The flag was waved. I'm just watching it on YouTube right yeah, now. Yeah, we're watching that shit. So off. Yep. Um. Uh, actually, he's not. Hold on. It doesn't look like he is offside, to be honest. Um, okay, so, so now, so now we're st- saying that he that he wasn't. So I again, and and I I watched the play in real time. I have not oh. watched the match back. So you guys are getting a better point of view on it than I am right now. To be honest, I haven't watched back either. I haven't watched back either. Sorry, Stan. I think he's onside, mate. Okay. 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 Uh, fucking hell. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it just it, that that makes the mistake even that much worse. But so so moving on. So uh, Sadio Mane uh, equalizes in the 55th minute with a brilliant goal. Uh, just uh, you know doing what he has to do in the absence of Mohamed Salah. Sadio Mane, obviously the best uh, attacking threat that we have uh, outside of Salah. Uh, he he does he does what he needs to do. He scores the equalizer. Uh, it's just at that point in time where Madrid make a substitution, they take off Isco and bring on Gareth Bale. Sorry, now, Sorry, yeah, yeah. I, I'm watching it back a few times. I, it's, it's, I think he could be offside. It's very difficult. So sorry to interrupt you there. No, 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 fine. No, it's, it's, it's right on the line. His, his shoulder, I think, is offside. Yeah, his feet are. It's yeah. Anyway, well, let me say this: if this is this is Real Madrid and it's this this particular match, you have a Champions League final. I don't think you're going to get that call if you're the opposition. So just just I mean, let's just call him onside. Let's just call him yeah. onside because they they're not gonna. If that was Antoine Griezmann or Robert Lewandowski, maybe you have a point. But they're not they're not they're not going to help Liverpool out in that aspect. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so mo- moving on to. Uh, the, to me, the, 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 the true, if Liverpool is in a boxing match, they're punching back in the 55th minute. But after you concede a goal, which could arguably be the goal of the year. And I mean, it seems like the last two goal of the years, whether it was Mandzukic last year or Gareth Bale this year, have come in this final of the Champions League. My God, what a, what a, a shot by Gareth Bale to put Real Madrid up 2-1 and... At that point, does Stan, does Liverpool start to slowly but surely lose belief in the fact that they can still do something here? Um, it's so funny, like what just remembering I think everybody remembers where they were at that moment. Um, uh, I'm on my couch at, the, at home, and uh, you know, I see such a shallow cross come in from Marcelo from his uh, preferred rough wing. You know, he's a left-back position. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, well, what's going to come out of this? This is like a, maybe a 10-yard chip into the area. 
and then I see Bale out of nowhere because um, was it, it was Lovren on him, correct? Lovren was he was the defender who didn't close down the space on Bale, and you're not really expecting the defender to have to play that close to him uh, in an instance like that. So Bale goes, oh, I you know I've seen CR7 do this before. I'm gonna do it myself. Wow, that's it. Game over, right there and there, beautiful bicycle. Even I sat there and said to myself, well, that's the match right there. That's it. Um, I'm sorry, did I answer your question directly? Uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> so, repeat, uh, repeat to me your question. Uh, what, I, what I said, what, you, you have answered it. Uh, you gave your opinion on the fact that you thought the match was over. I was asking you if you thought that Liverpool as a team – and specifically, Jurgen Klopp may have started to believe that 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 this is just not this isn't going to happen today. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, Jurgen actually then sat dejectedly on the bench, and he knew he did not have the horses. He knew his midfield was tired. He knew that he wasn't getting the best night out of Bobby Firmino. He knew that Sadio Mane was giving his all. He knew that he just didn't at that point in time. That was pretty much game set and match, and that's that may have been why he waited so long to bring on Emre Chan because he pretty much, at that at that moment, during the 60s, uh, in between the 63rd and the 68th minute, he pretty much realized that it was over. All right, so then I direct that question at you, Alex. Uh, so Gareth Bale scores a fantastic goal. Uh, the Welsh international uh, comes on, relief of Isco, plays <laughs> just a fantastic... Uh, I, I mean, I, there's no way to put it. Just a fantastic goal off of, a, like you said, a, a shallow cross from Marcelo. Uh, was that, was that, in your opinion, was was that where the Liverpool players started to kind of look at themselves and say, "Yeah, this, this, uh, we could have held out hope for maybe a one-one, and then we go to extra time, and maybe we get a lucky goal, or we can take this bad boy to penalty shots and 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 have 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 a, have a go at it there," but. After the two to one and the way that it's not just the it's not just the goal, but it's the it's the way it was scored, just in such just unbelievable fashion. Did they start to sink a little bit in their mental uh, stability? Um, well, so the game kind of started to pander in the second half. They were on top. They were tiring us out. Obviously, he came on. And I said, to, like I said to Russell earlier, like just before he came on, I don't think you've ever heard of Bale before, have you? No. Nope. Um, so I said, you know, this this could be a game-changing moment, um, and it was unfortunately. Uh, the goal was absolutely world-class, exceptional. Um, it probably takes over the number one ranking goal for a Champions League final from Zidane when he scored mm-hmm. against was it Bayer Leverkusen? I mean, it was it was it was poetry in motion. Um, it really was. It's hard for me to say that, but you know, as a fellow Welshman, um, he, he's he's given us some pretty damn glorious nights um, watching Wales play. Yeah. So I like him um, as a person, um, and and a, and a footballer, and I respect that the goal he scored yesterday was. Pure class. Not one cell in my body thought that this was over. Seriously, I didn't think that at all. I was even after the third one went in. 
I was still, I was probably the loudest man in the pub, screaming, "Come on, boys, lift your shirts up!" Yeah, you know, we can do this. Um, yeah, that was that was me yeah. too. That was me too. I, I I'm 100 yeah. in agreement with you. Yeah, I mean, what what can you do? You can't predict that. You can't defend against that quality. Um, Lovren was right there, but he was right there, but so so close, but so so far away. You put the best defender in the world against that, and yeah, it's still going to go in. Let, chance. Let's not make any mistakes about it. Uh, Garrett Bale is a world-class player. He is, uh, and when he's healthy, he's probably one of the 10 best players in the world. And you guys can, uh, listeners, you can you can debate me on that all you want, but he single-handedly basically carried Wales into the European Championship semifinals back in 2016. This is a, this is a when he is healthy, he is a world-class player. You can ask Real Madrid how much they paid Spurs to get him because they too thought he is a world-class player. He is better than Isco overall, and they substituted a guy into the match for a guy who was better than the guy who started in front of him. So, as you said, Alex, this was a game-changing moment. Real Madrid upgraded their lineup when Bale came in. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, It was... A heartbreaking moment, but uh, my, my jaw just dropped at the sight of that goal. It was insanely good. Um, yeah, we went. We actually saw the wet, a few of us went to see um, did a did a European Championship and, and saw Gareth Bale and we saw the Wales England game. Um, and he was a class above the rest there, even though they lost. But no, he's he's an exceptional talent and. If, if we had anything like him on the bench, you know, we could have been in the game, but we unfortunately don't. And, and hopefully Cater and maybe Fakir could come in and fill that void, but there's definitely a void there, and it was clear to see yesterday. Well, let's stay, let's stay right here with you, Alex, because I want to ask you, since uh, Bale came in uh, to score the 2-1, did, do you believe that Emre Chan should have been substituted in earlier than he was? Um, in terms of him scoring it to make 2-1, I don't think he had any impact on it. Um, no, 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 not, not scoring 2-1. But with Atlas, So between the 2-1 and 3-1, should Emre Chan have been substituted in earlier than yeah. he was? I think it's a moot point. He, he could have, he could have, like, it, it, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Um but I, I definitely think he, he played better than Milner in his last half an hour compared to Milner's last half an hour. Um, he he he's definitely more creative, I think, on the ball. Um, when he's in that in that centre midfielder role where he normally has, um, which I think happened yesterday. It's it's difficult to say. Um, looking back, you know, the second half, you know. I, I was, I was, must have had about 10, 11 pints by then. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think back. I, I didn't really notice Emre Chan's, um, I don't think, did he create much? I don't think he created much. No, he didn't have, he, that's, that's my point, is he didn't really have the opportunity to. He only got, he got like yeah. 10 minutes of, of playing time. So 
you know, this is a guy that Juventus are coveting. It's basically said that he's already signed the contract. You know, he's out of and he's out of Melwood and Anfield as quick as you can. Is this match is going to end? But he is. Uh, he's been a a, a a big part of Klopp's successful run, especially yeah. towards the fourth place finish in the second half of the season. It was, uh, you know, say what you will about Emre Can. I've criticized him heavily, as has Stan. The the guy is still. He wanted to play in that match, and I yeah. think I, I. So I'm. I, I wonder if you sub him in in the 72nd or 73rd or 74th or 75th minute before things really get to the last 10 minutes where Real Madrid is is just basically counting down the clock. Is 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 it safe to say maybe if he'd he if he if if Chan had had 20 or 25 minutes, so let's say sub him in in the 65th or the 70th minute. Could he have had more of an impact had he had a true 20, 25 minutes to actually give us some kind of difference maker as opposed to I, the 83rd minute when he came in? I think you could ask the same question. Sorry, Stan, one sec. I think you could ask the same question um, about why M.A. Chan? Why not Solanke? Why Abs- not oh, absolutely. Second player. Um, Milner could have easily kept up with the pace in the last 20 minutes. He didn't need to come off. But yeah, I agree. It's I think he, looking back, he probably should have put Solanke on at two one down, gone to a four four two. So, Stan, what are your what are your thoughts about Sean? Um, well, Cody, like I, I told you, actually at three forty nine p.m. Eastern Standard, not three forty nine, four around four o'clock, four four ten Eastern Standard, I texted you and told told you Embry now. Um, that at that point it was around the 62nd, 63rd minute or so, uh, right after when uh, Bell scored that Golazo, that wonder class of a goal. That is when maybe when you bring in Emre Chan to uh, like for like in the midfield. I don't necessarily think Milner had the legs to keep up. He looked rather gassed to me as the match continued. Um, right, yeah, Alex, I'm not trying to uh, debate you. Your opinion there, maybe maybe Millie could have gone the full ninety. I'm not sure, but uh, seeing as how you have a world class midfield uh, for RMA, maybe you maybe just get fresh legs on. I think you, it's imperative that you keep Genie on for the full ninety. Uh, Hendo obviously was going to play the full ninety and then some if it had gone into extra time. I think Milner would have been your candidate for substitution, and I think you just bring on Emre just for he is dynamic. I mean, I have uh, I have. I've slaughtered the dude uh, since December. I honestly have, and uh, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but in, 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 if he's match fit and he's available on your bench, and you need a midfield, or you just need some sort of spark plug off the bench, um, maybe somebody to kind of keep an eye on Gareth Bale because you knew he was only going to get stronger as he continued from coming on for Isco and then like for like Isco was playing the Campbell behind. Uh, Ronaldo and Benzema. Uh, almost, uh, Isco was purely a cam, but when Bale came on, he was a cam, but playing as a second striker, a third striker, but playing at that second striker role right behind Benzema. As we know, Benzema likes to be a little bit more central than he is on maybe RF or, 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 a, left, uh, or a left forward. Uh, so with all that being said, I just think that maybe you bring on Emre Chan, maybe uh, along the lines of seventieth, seventieth minute, sixty-eighth minute, whatever. Not the eighty-third though. At that point, it's it's too late. And as we saw, as soon as Emre came on and he was trying to get acclimated to the pace of the match, 
fail scores again. And if I didn't think it was, if I thought, if I didn't think it was over at 2-1, I turned the TV off. I, I will say this now, and again, at me, at Real White Dude, that's White with a Y, W-H-Y-T-E, Real White Dude FC. At me if you think I'm a jackass for turning off the TV, but I didn't want to see our, uh, I didn't want to see Real with the trophy. I didn't see, I, wanted, I didn't want to see that prick raise the trophy. I just did not. Um, it was, it was, in my mind, I thought it was definitely over then. Uh, and Ray just didn't have enough time to get acclimated, and he hasn't played in a competitive fixture uh, since since March. So yeah, since March, yeah. He should, yeah, he should have been given the opportunity to to at least get maybe those twenty minutes to provide some sort of change of pace, change of flow, change of direction at that point of the match. All right. So quick yes no question. Uh, then I'm going to go to a different question. But real quick, uh, gentlemen. Yes, no. Emmer Chan has played his last match at Anfield. Yes, no. Yes. Alex? Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Yes. And Russ also says yes. So awesome. Kate is coming in. Kate is coming in. So, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Yes. Is Bale the MVP, though? Uh, I know she asked that in the rundown. Could he? Is Bale the MVP? I say no. Okay, um, so if Bale is not the MVP, who do you say is and why? Number four. Number four, White. Okay. Why? Because he executed his role to a T. Whatever role that was supposed to be, he did it, and he did it to a, he played it to a T. Mm-hmm. Okay, so since we're on this topic, Alex, uh, is Gareth Bale the brace... Scoring Gareth Bale, is he your MVP or not? And if he's not, then who do you pick and why? Um, I'd probably give it to him because of the goal and the quality of the goal. I, 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 don't, I don't think that he scored the second one. Carrius let him let the goal in, basically. Yeah, so the, the, the only goal he scored was, to me, it was worthy enough. The reason I challenge you, Stan, this and this, uh, this, uh, this is why I love the fact that we, you know, we have three different people and Russ actually four. We have that they were watching it in three different locations, seeing it with with different people and, and different aspects and angles. And the reason, Stan, that I challenge you about the the Gareth Bale, if you take away the two Gareth Bale's goals, Liverpool gift wrapped one goal to Madrid. It's one nil Liverpool. If but if, if Bale doesn't come on, I, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not trying to. Um, I'm not trying to lessen what Benzema did. But any three or four of us could have scored the goal that Benzema did. So uh, that's more of a Carrius own goal than much of it than really anything else. I mean, it really is a Loris Carrius own goal. Uh, Mane 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 scores the only true goal before Bale comes on, and then Bale scores a brace to. To basically put put the, uh, the the cherry on top of the Sunday and the uh, bow on top of the present, I have no other choice. Uh, CR seven is, uh, you know, where's he at? He where's, more, where's my boy he at? Where's, less, he was more or less kept in check by Alexander, Trent Alexander Arnold, who, in my opinion, was was if not the brightest uh, performer for. I mean, aside from Monty's efforts, uh, let's let's. Please let's give a, 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 a shout out to Tata, number sixty-six, Trent Alexander Arnold for yeah. his tremendous effort in that final yesterday. He he locked up CR seven 
that did not allow him room to breathe at all. And also got involved in the uh, attacking third as well, as he usually does. But he played exceptional yesterday. So, Russ, what were your opinions of uh, seeing Garrett Bale yesterday? I mean, would you, would you consider him your MVP, having seen what you saw over the 90 minutes? You know, I think that I would, because I think that given the situation they're in when he came onto the pitch, I think that he stepped up in a remarkably significant fashion. I think that he kept the entire side, like, legitimately motivated. There was, like, not just a vague hope. There was, like, a legit certainty that they were going to find a way to equalize this thing. They were going to find a way to get out ahead. So, Alex, I think your official answer was you would give Bale the MVP. Say again, Mike? I said I think your official answer was you would give Gareth Bale the MVP. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you couldn't give it to anyone from Liverpool. Um, Real Madrid won in the end. And, I, and, and the, you know the biggest question is, did they deserve it? Mm-hmm. Like, with what happened, the circumstances, I don't know. But you have to give Gareth Bale. He was the game-changing man at the end of the day. He delivered remarkably, um, and he won the third trophy in a row. Do you know what? I, f- I saw a stat earlier. Zidane has won a trophy every 16.5 games. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, that's incredible. He He's obviously at the top of his game now in terms of managerial. Um, I, I, I have to say, I was really looking forward to, this may sound stupid, but I really love that FIFA Club World Cup patch. I think it's, I think it's a class patch, and I was really looking forward to buying uh, the, 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 the Champions League badges for the Liverpool kit next season with the six and the trophy, and then the respect ball, and then having that wonderful, beautiful FIFA Club World Cup patch on the red jersey. Because we, I mean, we play like Jingzhou, China for the title, or like uh, Gu- Guadal- FC Guatemala, or somebody like that. It's always Europe. Hey, basically, uh, <laughs> what? These days. Sorry, Stan. What? How's your training facility these days at uh, FC Guatemala? <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, so so basically, you, you have uh, uh, the European winners, uh, Champions League winners, t- typically win the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, it's been. Only a few times that someone else has, and it's been many, many years since uh, a non-European team has won. So I have to say, Alex, that would have looked great on that uh, red home jersey or the white uh, third kit or the blue or purple, whichever one it is, uh, away jersey. Because you have the FIFA Club World Cup patch. I just think it's absolute class. Uh, And I don't get to buy that now, so I'm really disappointed. But moving on to what you said, Alex, you had a great point. Do they deserve it? So, Stan, I ask you this. Madrid did not finish in the top. They finished in the top three. I was going to say top two. They finished in the top three of the La Liga. Did not win the Copa del Rey. Did not win a single thing this season at all until yesterday. It's almost as if Real Madrid only cared about the Champions League this year. they, They seem like a very driven team because when it came to that competition, if you look at who they played and who they knocked out from... Not only the group stage, which they had the group of death, they had Borussia Dortmund, they had Tottenham Hotspur, they uh, got past the group stage, got on to the round of 16 where they beat a uh, oil sheiks, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, in, in, in convincing fashion. Then they, they played in the quarterfinals, uh, 
Who did they play in the quarterfinals? Think here. Oh, Juventus. They knocked out Juventus, uh, uh, and then of course Bayern Munich, who many considered a, a finalist candidate. They took a very convincing and tough route. Yet in La Liga, they were losing to teams like uh, who'd you say earlier? Girona was one of the teams they lost to. Yeah, they lost to Girona. They yeah. lost to Girona. Yeah, it was a basically uh, um, Minnows. Minnows maybe consider them like less than Brighton, much less than Brighton. Yeah. So, so, so was this was was this uh, was this the, was this what was this their their goal the whole season was just basically win win Europe and that was it? Do you do you think that uh, that's all that's all they had in their sights? I I believe that uh, when the season started, uh, they spent too too much time celebrating their achievement of uh, of the Champions League su- success from the previous summer. Um, I, I think they had every intent to win uh, La Liga, uh, basically go for the trouble. I think they had every intent, um, but they started out so poorly in the league. I think they they were uh, what uh, two two. Uh, basically, they didn't get their first home win until October, if I'm not mistaken. You can don't quote me on that. Um, they spent a lot of the fall and late summer re-signing everyone as school. Marcelo, uh, Modric, uh, Modric was donned the new number 10, and there was a lot of hoopla uh, surrounded by that. Uh, also, Ronaldo uh, being, uh, I don't know if he was hurt or just not fit or what have you, but he was basically on no carton until January. Uh, so all that being taken into consideration and how fast Barcelona came out uh, to start the Santander campaign, um, they really just had, they basically put it into their minds around the start of the new year that, hey, let's just go get Europe. Uh, the Copa del Rey does not matter. Uh, La Liga does not matter. Let us defend the title that we have and the one that matters most out of all of Europe. And they have that as their goal. Liverpool, I do not think, and I know this is not answering your question directly, but Liverpool, it was a magical run. It was an unsuspecting run. Um, more like a magical journey, uh, whereas when the Los Blancos, the Galacticos, they had that mission in mind to co- to defend their title and get that third one in the row. So really for them, really for them. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on that? It, it seems like that Real Madrid were a different beast in Europe the entire season. As Stan put it, they didn't. They they were they were had such a slow start in the uh, domestic campaign. But yet they were able to, they were able to beat Dortmund convincingly. They they held their own against Spurs, obviously with uh, Harry Kane, uh, you know, just the normal cast that you have there, Danny Rose, etc. Um, they do what they normally do. They don't win their group. Uh, Tottenham actually won the group, but they always come in second and they get into the round of sixteen and then they go to work. Real Madrid in the knockout stages of the Champions League, it's amazing that we say this, that, that they haven't been knocked out of a Champions League knockout stage since 2015. That, that, that's, just, that's just unheard of. They've won every single fixture, be it on aggregate or in the sudden death winner-take-all final for three consecutive years. Do you, do you get the notion that this was their... Their goal for 2017-18, that, that the, I, if the league, if we still happen to win the league, so be it, but it's not our, if we don't, then it's no, it's no hair off our chest. 
just just win the Champions League and all as well. Um, certainly, at the start of the season, uh, their minds be fixed on the on winning the league. Um, but as inevitably came out, you know, basically by January it was going to be a massive um, achievement if they got even close to Barcelona. So, <clears throat> to answer your question, this was always going to be a fallback option, um, and they then could rely on their experience. The know-how they play in, you know, the first eleven mostly most of the first eleven together for the last three years, um, and and have the experience of winning games when it matters. That's really what it comes down to. That's, it's probably a lot of psychology that you know any psychologist out there listening that could probably have a really good analysis on that. Um, what winning and consecutive seasons does to the next season you're playing in and your psyche and it's kind of a sports science question, but mm-hmm. it's like we play, like I said, we played the best, probably the hardest team to play in their best form. Um, you know, they, they scored a third less goals than we did almost. Yeah. Or a, quarter, a quarter less goals than we did. Yeah. Um, but then again, like, no, no it, it's, I, I just get a feeling that all the players, no stats. They didn't give a fuck about any stats. Mm. They just want to be in the final. They want to be in the semi-final. They want to be in the quarter-final. And they take one game at a time. They don't think about any other external influences. And and that kind of shows. Um, and on the pitch, you can see what hard work looks like. Definitely yesterday. Their, their mentality through different sections of the game yesterday was pretty much on choice because they first of all they won the game and and that's the most important thing to do in the Champions League final there's no going back from that Um, it's so hard to take because it was us Mm -hmm. but any other team you know I'd be applauding and and analysing much more than I have every player um but it was just fucking heartbreaking to watch yeah yeah from the full supporters point of view but at the end of the day they they've done what they haven't done in decades they, they won the champions well the european cup five times in a row 1955 to 60 but with three different managers so zidane has come in and won it three on the bounce who knows? Maybe four, maybe five. I don't know. But definitely he, what he's done yesterday um, it will go down in history. Um, and he's probably one of the best managers there is at the moment. You have to take it off to him. You take, you've got to take your hat off to him for that. Is he the, <sighs> is, is he the, is, is Zinedine Zidane the coolest head in the game today on the touchline? I bet he was shitting himself at 1-1. <laughs> if he, Alex, if he was, he damn sure wasn't showing it. Um, I, I, I believe that Zidane, the player, uh, his demeanor is even just as cool, if not cooler, as a uh, on the touchline. Um, he just he shows no stress. He shows no fear. Uh, he he is the epitome of what it is to have ice running through your veins and. 
I tell you what, for uh, to have that on the touchline, that can instill even the most veteran of veteran squad, squads, like the one that uh, uh, Los Broncos uh, rolled out for the pitch last night. So Zizou is tr- certainly uh, the right gaffer for the job at this moment in time. Well, Stan, do you think he do you think he has the coolest demeanor of any manager on the planet right now? Do you think that he gets can you rattle Zizou? No. No. I don't think so. I've never seen him rattled as a player, and I damn sure have never seen him rattled uh, as a gaffer. The only I tell you what, I tell you what, actually, and I've watched a uh, uh, a Copa del Rey fixture because uh, they play two legs even in the uh, even in the earlier stages of the competition. Uh, they were at a minnow that was like right down the street from uh, from the Bernabeu, uh, and they were they were level with them. Uh, and like right before halftime, I saw Zizou snap a little bit at the at the players, and you saw some of that uh, uh, Algerian spice come out of them. Now that sounds like sounds terrible, but you saw that aggression, uh, that 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 Algerian aggression come out of him a little bit, and he was very pissed off with. How his team just took uh, took those minnows so lightly. Uh, um, that was the only time I ever saw him show any real emotion. Algerians uh, he's been on the Z- Zidane, like in the when he played for Brazil in that World Cup final, um, was impeccable. The composure he had was ten times of the next guy in that team. Um, Correct. His he he is emotional when it when it goes his way. It, it I don't think is emotional at all but when he doesn't when he headbutted what's his name for italy um Madrazzi, Madrazzi. yeah when he basically said uh i i slept with your sister yeah i, yeah. I would have done the same thing maybe worse so yeah but he put his team in he did he lost he, he lost the game from that yeah he did he is calm when he when it's going his way that's what i think Agreed. So that's why, like that, that's why I bring up that that instance in the Copa del Rey this year, where he did actually he was frustrated that they were not uh, handling business appropriately, uh, even even if it's a way, but a way at a much smaller side. I think they were a second or third division uh, side, and uh, he showed uh, displeasure, uh, a lot of displeasure. So yeah, when it's not going his way, great point, Alex. When it's not going his way, that's when he shows his emotion. But when he uh, when he is confident in the moment. Uh, he shows nothing, and that, that's actually even better, uh, honestly, because then it, it keeps things level, and you can remain focused. Uh, so one final question before we wrap it up here to talk about, and this is some, um, so the match ends 3-1. to one, uh, as, as we said, Gareth Bale scores a brace uh, in addition to the Alores Carrius own goal uh, and the Mane equalizer to make up for Alores Carrius' own goal. Uh, so 3-1 it ends. Uh, Real Madrid win in, in pretty convincing fashion. Obviously, a lot of a lot of things come into consideration here. As we said, the Salah injury, Dolores Carrius' own goal. And yes, I'm going to keep saying it's an own goal because that's all you can say it was. And the Gareth Bale superstar, super sub effort that he, he put on display. Uh, Madrid, the better side over 90 minutes. Uh, really, if you take everything into consideration, there was no question about it we could sit here and say i think all all three slash four of us were even when it was three one we still had some belief i don't know stan you said you turned the tv off so maybe not but um i know 
we weren't watching it from home, so Alex and I could not just turn the TV off. So we stayed till the bitter end, and we had to watch and 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 cheer the lads on and and believe that something like Istanbul could happen once again. You know, you turn you turn the thing you turn it around somehow, but uh, it wasn't to be. So uh, in the aftermath, uh, Ronaldo made some interesting comments in an interview in the post match. And I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically, he said it's been it's been fun in Madrid. It's been it's been it's been real. Uh, it's been it's been cool, man. I'll see you on the flip side, type of thing. Uh, comments again, alluding to what has been rumored now for a couple of years of him leaving the Bernabeu, of him going back to the old toilet in Manchester and playing for the. I mean, going from Zizou to Mourinho, that's that's interesting uh, for Ronaldo's career choices. But wherever it is, is are the we two, ah, we should take any kind of serious uh, context from that statement, Stan, or is, or is he just trolling us? I, I don't know, Quiddy. I, and I've thought about this uh, since we spoke about it yesterday. You'd have to be, you'd have to be, that would, you'd have to be dumb to, to do that, wouldn't you? Would, would, seriously, though, wouldn't you have to be dumb to leave the best club in the world for, for a, a tragic situation right now in Manchester, on the red side of Manchester at Old Trafford? It's just not, if there's not a bunch of positivity there. You finish second in the league, you lose, you just lost the FA Cup final. You're going to displace Alexis? Yes, because obviously Alexis is nowhere near the talent of Ronaldo. But do you really want to even be in that dressing room right now? Martial wants out. There's rumors of Rashford leaving. Lingard might be gone. Uh, you basically have a Lukaku, Pogba, French Belgium connection where it's really two best friends and you really can't. Ronaldo likes to dominate the ball. Where he is right now at the Bernabeu, at the Santiago Bernabeu, in Madrid is set up perfectly for him. He he has at least a good two to three seasons left to where he could stay right out his prime. And especially being a, an attacking winger. I just don't if if he means that it would be the worst mistake of his career. Well Alex, how do you how do you see those comments uh with Ronaldo? Do you think he, I mean what do you take what do you take away from what he said? I mean is it any do you see any like legitimacy to it? Um, if I cared, this is what I'd oh. say. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Um, so he's 33, right? Coming on 34. Yeah. If you put yourself in his position, this this would probably be the, I know the worst time to go, but maybe the best. Like he's going off on the, on the highest yeah. moment he can. Um, what is he doing it for? If he does it. What would he do doing it for? Because he gets paid a fucking shitload at Real Madrid. Um, I guess he, he could. He could. Sorry. Why is he playing the game? That's the question. Yeah. Why is he playing the fucking game? It possibly could go back to United, but that would just be an emotional decision. Um, he loves the thing of being loved, I, I guess, um, and he would get that no end. And he would. Have, he's got two or three seasons in him left at the highest, highest level. My a, a thought came into my mind that would he even come over to the USA to just make loads of bank. Oh my god! 
Oh, if wow. he does that, RIP. RIP. Wow. <laughs> uh, Alex, what, what, but what's, what, what's left in Manchester for him? Uh, what, what, what kind of, as, as, as Stan put it, what kind of situation is he walking into with uh, asshole Mourinho leading the, the squad there? Exactly that. Like, why would you do that? Zidane is on a high. You know, you're still his kind of favorite player, I guess. He didn't even start Bale, so um, he, he knows he would be the best player on the pitch in the first 11, no matter where he goes, to be honest, except for Barcelona, probably. So, I don't know, maybe he's... Do you, do you think he's definitely going to go? I mean, I can't really read from what he said. Anything can, can like... I think Ronaldo... I think Ronaldo loves... I think Ronaldo, first and foremost, loves himself. I think that yeah. he loves the attention that he gets when he makes comments like this. I think that he loves controversy when it surrounds him. And I think that he wants to have people speculate over his future because what that does is it keeps them talking about him. It'll keep them talking about him all summer. Will he stay? Will he go? Yeah. And it could, be, it could be a PR move from his publicist or whoever. Ab- absolutely. Or it could be, you know, certain times in sports, uh, say he wants to make more money, it could be something to where he forces Real Madrid to say, oh my God, if we want to keep him, we've got to, we, you know, his agent says, hey, you want to keep him, you got to pay him more money. He's going to go to United. They're going to, they're going to pay him more. If you don't, if you don't want to pay him more then he's, you know, it could, it basically gives him leverage, I guess you could say in a really sick, twisted, fucked up way. But you know, that's what athletes in 2018 seemingly do. We've seen it done many times over here in the national football league. And, uh, it, what, what, who's to say that UEFA or, you know, uh, La Liga is not above that, but it, it certainly seems to me like it's more of a, I, I agree with you from a career perspective, leaving Real Madrid for Manchester United in 2018 makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Financially. That's it. With that's it, Quinny, with all that you just said and everything that Alex just said. Let it be known that out of all the contracts that were handed out, for all the extensions that were handed out by RMA in the fall of 2017, Cristiano Ronaldo was not included on that list. He was not extended. Okay, so that's okay. Well, they could be that then he could be wanting to perhaps uh, give himself a little bit more financial security in the future. So, with that said, maybe he's. Uh, maybe he's wants to just quit as a footballer and become a yoga teacher. I don't know. <laughs> Zumba. Zumba. Right, Zumba. Zumba. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, we're all going to get some final thoughts before we close out, but I'm going to say this. Uh, yes or no, has, as we did with Emrechan, will Ronaldo be at the Santiago Bernabeu next season? I say he will. Uh, Stan, what do you say? Yes. Alex? Yes, as a yoga teacher. Okay, <laughs> as a yoga teacher. I like wow. that. I like that. I like that. Uh, so my final thoughts, I think that Real Madrid played a fantastic Champions League campaign. I think that they, I, I don't want to say that they disregarded the league, but I think that the thing that was of the utmost importance to them was to win the Champions League a third consecutive time. I think that that's obviously something that maybe in our lifetime will never happen again. It's only happened 
let's see, uh, th- last time it happened was in the 70s, so we're talking 40 years ago and, and change with uh, Bayern Munich winning it three consecutive times. And much like Real Madrid, Bayern Munich back then did not win the league in all three of those seasons. So they, they strictly won the European Cup uh, either once or twice, if my memory serves me correctly. But they just did the job in, in Europe, as Real Madrid have done this year. No domestic titles for Real Madrid, only the one that really, really counts. For Liverpool, I think that the year three, the full third year for Jurgen Klopp starts... Now, it starts this August with this Premier League campaign, the 2018-19 season. And I think, as I said today on Twitter to some people that I was in some good uh, conversations with, and they told me, you know, good. we're glad that you're that optimistic, but uh, we are going to have to, of course, wait and be reserved and see where this thing goes. I am not that optimistic. I think that this year is the year that he, that Jurgen Klopp gets a domestic trophy. I think this is the year that he either wins the FA Cup or the Premier League title. I think that this is the year that he did it with Borussia Dortmund. This is the third year was a Bundesliga winning campaign. He got Dortmund back into the Champions League. And I think that he's ahead of schedule. He's ahead of schedule from cleaning up the Brendan Rodgers mess. I think that if you look at two consecutive top four finishes, three out of four matches this year, he won against the self-proclaimed best team in Europe, Manchester City. And and I say that with no with no disrespect to Manchester City, but Real Madrid just won the Champions League, guys. So let's 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 keep our our you know expectations where they should be. But undisputed, the best team in England, Manchester City. Let's make no doubt let's make no no riffs about that. Liverpool took three out of four from them. Two of those on the biggest and grandest stage of them all. Liverpool are a dangerous side, but they lack depth. They lack certain positions where they need an upgrade in talent and once Klopp gets one more summer transfer window I believe and if it's not this window it will definitely be the January window of adding the final pieces of the puzzle to this Liverpool pie that he is has baked for three years now I think this is the year this is the breakthrough campaign where we finally start seeing the uh the 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 the, the job that Jurgen Klopp has done the fruits of his labor, if you will, uh, come to the forefront with, with, with some much-deserved and well-earned silverware, if not domestically, then maybe continentally. Uh, this, is, this is not the final chapter. This is not the end of the road for him or these players. And as someone said today, I hope that this moment and these tears for Liverpool last with them. I hope that they think about this moment every day for the next 365 days so they don't ever want to feel that way again. And this is where we will be one year from now talking about the sixth European Cup for Liverpool FC because they took from this moment away the fact that this is the motivation to put them and springboard them to bigger and better things. Stan, final thoughts on this season for both of these magnificent clubs. Uh, if I could, I, I have nothing to say on RMA. Uh, congratulations. Uh, but I will say this. I'm just going to read a brief tweet that I had that I put out after uh, RMA scored the third goal. Uh, congrats at LFC for giving us this amazing journey. I'll never, ever forget this season. We'll be better and stronger next season. Shouts to at Mo Salah on a great season and his recovery. I'm going to go drink a lot. And uh, for this summer, hashtag free Pickford. <laughs> free Pickford. Uh, Alex, I'm going to ask the same thing for you. Uh, what, what are your, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to make it so 
Liverpool bias, guys. So, I mean, if you got something, nothing to say about Real Madrid, that's fine. But, I mean, it, let's, let's at least shake their hands and say that they had a fucking hell of a campaign. Alex, 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 painting Alex. Um, I will say, uh, pretty fun. I, I'll uh, just uh, kind of recap. Uh, yeah, I will shake their hands. I will say congratulations, Real Madrid. Um, it's a hell of a, a, a hell of a one hell of a, an accomplishment to get the to raise the European Champions League trophy three years in succession. Um, I still say that the match, the performance of the season was when they went into Turin in the first leg against Juventus and dominated them on the scoreboard and on the park. And uh, that, that was just just jaw dropping, just a jaw, just a jaw dropping performance, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to them. Um, and we'll see what happens for them in the summer. I'm sure they'll reload. I'm sure they'll open up the uh, war chest, as they say, and um, let's see what happens. Taylor Navis also, still, uh, he needs to be respected as a top three goalkeeper in the world. Uh, if, if it wasn't proven, if he didn't prove it in the summers before, if he didn't prove it last fall, playing for the Costa Rica, Costa Rica national team, and pretty much exclusively making sure that the United States did not qualify, uh, for the World Cup. Yeah, shout, right. out to, shout out to my man's Bruce Arena. Um, if Taylor Navis didn't do it before uh, yesterday, he, he certainly deserves to be put on that short list of best goalkeeper in the world. Totally agree with you. Um, so, Al, Al, yeah, Alex, uh, yeah, we were just um, basically giving your summary on uh, Real Madrid season. If you have just something to say, about them and, and what you thought about their their trifecta in the Champions League and of course the uh, final thoughts on Liverpool season. Yeah, yeah, I heard you, man. Um, first of all, you gotta give a big congratulations to sending to Zam. I'm slurring my words now. It hurts to say, but no, hats off to him. Um, he's just done something that only a few have done before. He obviously is managing one of the best teams in the world right now. Um, I mean, forget the league campaign, but they have just shown what a, what a quality team can do repeatedly. And and they're probably the, the most consistent European club that has performed in certainly my, my years, my young 33 years. Actually, my birthday tomorrow anyway, so whatever. Yeah, oh. it up. Happy birthday, man. That's awesome. <laughs> no, um, I think... Yeah, they. If you look back yesterday's performance, you you have to say that they probably deserved it. Um, a kind of bitter way to say, it, but it's true. Um, so final thoughts on the seasons. Um, certainly for Liverpool, it's been probably the most exciting season I've seen in since two thousand and five or two thousand and seven. Um, the the football we're playing, the the I think we're going to bring an element of confidence to our game next season. This season was kind of testing out the water, seeing what how we're going to perform, and we, we've outdone us. 
I mean, what were the odds? There must have been like 100, 150 to 1 for us to even get closer to the final. So next season, we're going to bring a bit more confidence, I think. This season we've had, um, it's been an absolute privilege to watch. Um, I want to read out a tweet from Fields of Amphora Road, Foresight. And he summed it up perfectly, saying, I choose not to slate Ramos. I choose not to condemn Karius. I choose to celebrate our season. Well done to everyone for putting smiles on our faces and have our hearts racing from start to end. You'll have our endless love and support. Um, and that's probably true for um, Real Madrid fans and every every soccer fan around the world mm-hmm. for their dear club. Um, so it's it's been a privilege. Yeah. We fell off at the, at the last hurdle, um, but we're going to get back up, train harder, and win that race next year. Um, I just want to put Russell on now. Um, I'm just going to. So basically, Russell is a colleague of mine, one of my best friends in America. I came over a year ago, um, and I've basically single handedly made him a Liverpool fan over the last six months. Um, we we were at his house watching the Man City game, the first leg. Um, I was running around on the floor like a fucking crazy maniac. But um, yeah, so he came with me yesterday and, and witnessed what it's like to be in a Liverpool supporters bar at a Champions League game. I would say it's like arguably one of the most singular experiences of my life. Like, you know, sports franchises may come and go, players may like shit squads or anything else like that, but there's a true ethic of support for a squad here that transcends genre, transcends generation, gender, everything else like that. It is a true family environment. So win or loss this year, the loss is bitter, but it doesn't matter. I think Alex has it correct. Next year, the better year. It's the year that it comes around. It goes full circle. There we go. It's not over by a long shot. Not even close. Uh, Russell, if I if I may just uh I agree with everything that you said. I, I, I think the, the term that you use there, franchises, which is most uh, obviously well-known here in the States, uh, there is a difference between a franchise and a club. And many football teams here, uh, the world football as we know it, the, the world's game, they are, and here in the States, they are franchises everywhere, everywhere else in the world, they are clubs. And with clubs comes commitment, dedication, and a family-based perspective. And, uh, uh, and and in a feeling of inclusion. And we truly are an LFC family. So welcome aboard, man. And uh, hopefully we give you some, we'll, you, we'll be able to celebrate uh, better moments in the near future. I'm happy to be a part of it. All right, guys. Well, that's going to uh, wrap it up for episode eight. Uh, I want to wish Alex a early happy birthday. I'm sure I will talk to you tomorrow, my friend, and wish you a proper happy birthday. Thank you, brother. Uh, absolutely, my friend. Uh, and so real quick, Stan, uh, let everybody know. I know you've already shouted it out two fucking times uh, because you are, just like Cristiano Ronaldo, a shameless self-promoter. But uh, tell everybody... <laughs> I got you there, buddy. So tell... Ooh. Oh, that was rough. So tell everybody again where they can find you uh, on the internet. And, um, you know, obviously once the... Uh, once this King of Europe's uh, Kings of Europe site gets kicked off, you will be writing about the Premier League and I believe the Bundesliga. Is that right? Um, I believe if we had, uh, I thought uh, uh, you wanted me to do a little bit of a uh, Calcio work as well. 
Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Bundes, Bundes, Bundesliga El Cacho, and obviously I'll be your guy for any and all things uh, Premier League related as I watch faithfully, uh, faithfully every weekend. Uh, who's less? Two. Um, yeah, on Twitter you can uh, you can at me because I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to uh, who want to verbally fight me, and I will verbally fight you in, in response uh, at Real White Dude FC. That's W H Y T E. I swear to God, if you type it in the normal way and spell my last name wrong, then you don't deserve to at me anyway. At me, please. Um, what I'm working on right now, uh, it's the summer. Um, we're working on some non-league America stuff. Uh, now that my schedule is a little bit more clear now with the European campaigns over, I want to get into some grassroots football. So keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for my medium. And of course, when uh, the Kings of Europe site does launch, I will be writing uh, for Kings of Europe as well. Absolutely. Alex, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet, please, sir. Okay, so I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, chickenlip7. Um, don't throw me, don't at me, don't do anything. Just sit there. <laughs> Seriously, just don't bother. Just don't bother. It doesn't matter. It's not going to matter to your life. So, whatever. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love you that's all. Great. Thank oh, you for listening. Uh, happy birthday, Alex. Happy, yeah. happy fucking birthday, dude. Celebrate like a G that you are. Hey, cheers, man. Uh, I want to say thank. I want to say thanks, thanks, Russ, for making a cameo today. Really uh, glad to have you in the uh, Liverpool family, and uh, glad that you could accompany Alex to a proper Liverpool supporters club uh, pub and see what it's like firsthand to to be a Red. Happy to be here. And also want to say quickly, there was one other person that was supposed to join us tonight, Helen, uh, without getting into too much, uh, I know with, with your, what's going on with your family, our thoughts and prayers are with you right now, and we hope everything works out for you. You've been obviously a huge supporter of the show, and uh, we are uh, all sending out our, our love and, and blessings to you right now. Hope everything uh, turns out well. So with that said, uh, we will be back next week, uh, next Friday, I think it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Friday. Thursday, Friday. I get my I get my days messed up because of all the time zones and everything that we're we're crossing over. So for some of you, it'll be Thursday. For some, it'll be Friday. Uh, with the Kings of Europe episode nine, we will have the lovely Kelly Francis joining us. She's going to be talking about uh, some of the the domestic stuff here in the states. Uh, a little bit of Atlanta United FC. So uh, that's going to be great to have her on, and we're very much looking forward to seeing all of you again at that time. Until then, I'm your host, Pretty Smith. I've been joined by Alex, Russ, and Stan, and we bid you adieu for the 2017-18 season. <laughs>